This episode of Fearless Rebel Radio is brought to you by You On Fire. You On Fire is the amazing 12-week online group coaching program that I run where we build up your worth from the ground up so that it's no longer hinging on the way that you look. It's got personalized coaching from me and incredible community support plus lifetime access. Get details on what's included in this program and sign up to be notified when doors open for the next cycle by going to summerinandin.com forward slash you on fire. I would love to have you in that program and in that group. This is Fearless Rebel Radio, a podcast about body positivity, self-worth, anti-dieting, and feminism. I am your host, Summer Inanin, a professionally trained coach specializing in body image, self-worth, and confidence, and the best-selling author of Body Image Remix. If you're ready to break free of societal standards and stop living behind the number on your scale, then you have come to the right place. Welcome to the show. This is episode 133, and I am interviewing the Jess Baker, author of Landwell, about the difference between body love and body liberation, her approach to doing scary things, and the struggle with finding a good relationship with food, and more. You can find all the links mentioned in this episode at summerinnin.com forward slash 133. Before we begin, I want to give a shout out to Daniela, who left this review. Amazing podcast to help promote body positivity. A must-hear podcast. It has changed my life and the way that I view and treat my body. Episode 101 is probably my favorite. Thank you, Summer. Yeah, episode 101 is rad. I think that is one of my favorites, too. Thank you so much, Daniela. That means a lot. You can leave a review by heading to iTunes, searching for Fearless Rebel Radio, then click ratings and reviews and click to leave a review or give it a rating. It means the world to me to see your reviews. And don't forget to subscribe to the show via iTunes or whatever platform you use. And if you haven't already downloaded the free 10-day body confidence makeover, you can get that at summerinandin.com forward slash freebies with 10 steps to take right now to feel better in your body. Today's guest is Jess Baker. Jess Baker is a positive, progressive, and magnificently irreverent force to be reckoned with in the realm of self-love advocacy and mental health. She believes in the importance of body autonomy, hard conversations, strong coffee, and even stronger language. After creating satirical versions of Abercrombie and Finch advertisements in 2013, she appeared on the Today Show and quickly became one of the leading voices in the current body image movement. When not writing, Jess spends her time speaking around the world, working with plus-size clothing companies, organizing body liberation events, taking pictures in her underwear, and attempting to convince her cats that they like to wear bow ties. You can find more about Jess at themilitantbaker.com. Another amazing author on the show this week. I'm super pumped to, to talk to Jess. She's been on my radar for a long time. I've wanted to have her on the podcast forever, and uh, we were finally able to make it work. Well, she finally responded to me. <laughs> so that's the, that, that I, was, I was thrilled. I was really thrilled. One of my favorite books is Things No One Will Tell Fat Girls. Uh, it's such an amazing kind of starter book towards body positivity and learning about the influence of diet culture on our well-being. And Lanwell is a totally different kind of book. It's, it's but also so great. I mean, it's, it's, really more of like a memoir and it 
and she is so open and raw and vulnerable in it. And I really admire how honest she is. And I think that for you listening to like to hear some of her stories and experiences, like it's really going to speak to you and hit you on a visceral level. So I highly recommend this book. It's a really, really good read. And I think that you will thoroughly enjoy it as much as I think you will thoroughly enjoy this interview. Check it out. Hey, Jess, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for being here. I love your new book. And I was just saying that, first of all, your first book, Things No One Will Tell Fat Girls, is the number one body positive book that I recommend to people. So for listeners who are listening, please make sure that you have read that because it's just kind of a wonderful 101 and helpful starter guide and also hilarious. And your latest book is really more of, of a memoir. And for people who don't know you, which I'd be shocked if anyone listening to this podcast doesn't know you, I would love you to just give a little bit about your story. Because I mean, obviously, the, the book, you go really into it, but um, give a little bit about who you are and how, how you got to where you are today. Yeah, so I'm just a regular fat girl from Tucson, Arizona, who I have hated my body since I could understand what fat was and then took on that descriptor. I think it was like age five, you know, and then there was a point in my life when I was around 25, 26, that I stumbled upon this really great blog that doesn't exist anymore, but the author is still active on other platforms called The Nearsighted Owl by Rochelle, who lives in Portland. And it really was so transformative. And whenever I tell the story, it feels a little cliche because there literally was like a moment, you know, where I was in a really dysfunctional, toxic, emotionally abusive relationship. I really hated myself. That's why I was, you know, looking at blogs and like that that was my new hobby. Um, And I stumbled upon this website of this woman who was fat and, and, and loved everything that I did. Like she had a purple beehive and she thrifted and she loved cats and she collected owls and like, you know, 25 year old me was so into owls and thrifting at that point. And then there was this fact that she was fat and I had never seen that represented, like take the fatness away. That's every other lifestyle blog I loved. And so to see a fat woman living this joyous life that I really identified with was kind of a mind fuck for me. And after reading it for a while, I kept coming back. It was kind of this like, you know, train wreck thing. Like you can't look away. Um, I didn't really know how to process it because I hadn't been given a framework in which to process a happy fat person. And so anyways, I kept reading and then I had this moment one night sitting on the floor of my living room and it was like, oh my God, if Rochelle can love herself the way she is, maybe I can too. Maybe I don't have to hate myself for the rest of my life. And that was such a profound moment. And it's one of those things that like, once you think that you really can't go back, you know, I will always sit with you. So I ended up, I was writing a blog about baking and kitchenware, vintage kitchenware at the time. And that just, yeah, that was my, I was a baker, full-time baker at the time. And so I just transitioned into uh, the blog became the militant baker, which just started chronicling, you know, I cringe when I go back and look at old posts because to me, I see like so much flawed rhetoric in them, but I was learning as I was writing. And so it's really just been a journey. And I was just, I committed myself from the very beginning to be very open and vulnerable and transparent and not make life look perfect the way a lot of lifestyle blogs do. 
And so I shared the hard stuff and I, and connected with people that way. And it just, it grew. I did a Abercrombie and Fitch faux ad in response to their sizest rhetoric around not offering extra large shirts for women because they don't, they only want cool kids to wear their clothing. Yes. And that was kind of the, the, the moment that I like hit the national and international spotlight. And, um, I just really work. I just, just continue to do the work and I've been doing it for over six years now. And I now work for myself and I lecture, I've written two books. I, I do everything. It's kind of really fascinating. And so I'm just really, my goal in life is it has shifted. So in the beginning, I really was into this concept, concepts of body love, like learning to love everything about your body. Like this belly roll is so beautiful and has the same amount of worth as a thin model's stomach. And while that is true, like there is no better or worse than body, I started to learn over the last few years, this is the evolution of my journey, that trying to pry open these beauty standards that have been in place for decades wasn't really helping me. And I don't think it really ultimately is the end goal. And so over the last few years, I've kind of, my journey has evolved into this thing that I I identify with, which is body liberation. Mm -hmm. And that means kind of setting aside, I think that body love is a great goal. And I think people have to start somewhere, right? Yeah. I mean, I would rather people obsessively try and love their body than obsessively hate their body. Of course. Um, But I don't think that's the end goal. And I don't really think it's actually that realistic. Not only does it put like responsibility on you to try and reach another standard of like being in love with yourself, which is really hard when the world tells you not to be, but also that beauty will always be that beauty standard will always be exclusive. And we've seen this historically, like when people, when, when people find liberation, there's always a new kind of oppression that comes in. And I talk about that in things known will tell after all. And so I was like, okay, this isn't like the full answer, but it was the perfect stepping stone to get me to a place where now what I really want to do in my mission is to help people live their best life through body liberation, through liberation of everything, um, destigmatizing mental illness, looking at intersections of race, class, disability, size, shape, age, all of that, and healing the parts of ourselves so that we can live in a place personally where we are making decisions for ourselves, by ourselves, and not being held accountable by beauty standards or body love standards or even our own internal expectations, Mm -hmm. like just really letting ourselves live. So that's where I am right now. Um, And I kind of mentioned that transition in Land Whale. Yeah. Um, But that's, that's my goal. That's where I'm coming from. I believe in healing. I believe that the world heals when we function from a place of liberation and joy. And I want to help people create that in their life, whatever that looks like, because it's different for everyone. I love that. Yeah, no, I think it's, um, I mean, I feel like that's an evolution that a lot of people have can relate to as well, because the idea of body love really puts the focus back on attractiveness and almost like prettiness, you know, in quotation marks. And, uh, and to, to move it beyond that to something that's really, you know, like soul deep, if I were to use a more 
crunchy expression to define it. But really, I like that. <laughs> we're talking I about, do. yeah, yeah, no, but I mean, you're talking about something that really goes to the bones and is something that is going to open up possibilities in life outside of, you know, your existence is just your aesthetic. Um, you know, I think it's great if you look in the mirror and you like parts of your body, but to demand that people like or love all the parts of themselves. Yeah, it's it, it, it just puts the, another whole expectation of shoulds like I should be, I should be different or I should that it, you feel bad when you're not. And it's just, and, and I mean, the whole concept of, you know, body positivity, if we're still to use that word, is really about liberation. So yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, yeah. And you know, when we talk about body love, what we're really doing is we're taking this tight bubble of that excludes most everyone. Yes. Um, and we're just really trying to pry it open to include ourselves. But the reality is that that bubble structure has always been and always will be exclusive. So maybe we have a body shape because we're a, we're like a size 18 with an hourglass figure and we're white and we're included in that. But that does not mean that 90% of the world is still excluded. And so it's we're really fighting. We're fighting the same thing, mm-hmm. <laughs> just in a very different way. And I kind of want to just say fuck it all together because we don't need – in all honestly, in, in, all, in all honesty, I think the ultimate healing comes from knowing that we don't need to be approved of or included in anything. Yes, um, which is very separate from having access to resources and like lifting oppression and removing those social barriers. But like the internal work of being like, oh, now that I have you know, accepted what people call flaws and have made them beautiful really isn't transformation. It's just a stepping stone. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it can be a good gateway, for sure. But I think, um, yeah, I mean, ultimately, for true freedom, it has to it's it's got to be deeper. So yeah, no, that's awesome. I love and yeah, you talk about the difference between those things in Landwell, which is great, too. And uh, speaking, so speaking of Landwell, I'm just curious to know what inspired you to write that book and what are you wanting people to get out of it? Well, I think that when I wrote Things No One Will Tell Fat Girls, there wasn't a book that encapsulated all of the different facets that were all things I wish that I knew years ago. Now there are multiple, which is great. I'm glad. Um, but at the time, it really there was nothing like that, like an all encompassing handbook on, you know, body bullshit 101, like how, you know, and like easy steps to take that are very preliminary, but they're steps to take. And I want to be very clear that there's a lot of um, different opinions about what is needed and what's not needed uh, within body image, healing and social, like restoration, I guess. And people are allowed to have their own opinions. My personal opinion that I have come to believe is that this watered down mainstream version of, you know, Bopo is, is needed. I think even the very limited representation of plus size models that we're seeing now on subway cars is needed because we all have to start somewhere. Yeah. And if you were to send someone who has been dieting and does not understand the culture and the rhetoric around liberation and you send them to me and I'm like, 
hey, your worth has nothing to do with your health records and you don't owe your health to anyone. That's like going to send them screaming. So I really do believe that all of those pieces are necessary. And um, I want to be really clear about that because I I will critique the watered downness of it and say this is not enough and we need to do more. But it is a journey, like you said. Um, As far as land whale, I wanted to show that progress, right? So I don't think people realize how long it takes for a book to like from start to finish. But there's a hefty couple of years in between the starting of Things Noel Tough Actors and the ending of Land Whale. Yeah. And I'm a very different person with very different ideas within those subjects. And so I'm happy that we have this one-on-one handbook and I still send it to people, um, especially teenagers. I feel like, you know, um, I feel like that's a really important demographic. I will just send them teenagers. What's up? Contact me. If you can't afford a book, I will send you Things Noel Tough Actors and a PDF form. But I also wanted to show the more complicated side because that's now where I live. And things are not black and white. Things are not either or. Things are and. And it's hard and it's messy. And I wanted to include all of that so that we could further the conversation. And honestly, in Landwell, if anyone's read it, I ask a lot of questions I don't have the answers for. Yeah. And so really, it's a discussion starter. And also, I wanted to share the things that no one else is talking about. Like, there's this cap (laughs) on vulnerability and experiences that we're willing to share as fat people. And for very real reasons, like sanity, safety, all of that. But I wanted to, I felt like I could. Um, And so I wanted to talk about PCOS, body hair, how it affects my relationships. I wanted to talk about fat sex. I wanted to talk about the complicated you know, fucking relationships we have with our parents and how we pick up what they give us and everything in between. And I wanted to just be really open. And there were so many times where I wanted to pull back as I was writing or editing and, you know, take that part out. I wanted to talk about trolling these people who come after fat people who are visible online and what that actually does to people, because we're, we're told don't feed the trolls that lets them win, you know? And I feel like, it's well-meaning advice, but also it doesn't address the actual trauma that happens to the person who's receiving this violence. So I was just like, all right, I'm going to just tear my heart open and let it like bleed all over the page and see what happens. And it was terrifying. It was hard. Um, it put me to some really, really, really dark, deep spaces. Probably the hardest project I've ever done, but I feel like what I put out into the world was the best that I could. And it was the most authentic and real story I could tell. And I, I've heard feedback from people, you know, when you publish it, you have no idea what's going to happen, but I have heard feedback of so many, like, this is me too. Mm-hmm. I understand, like, you know, things that I thought I was alone in, which is funny. And so already like for one person to feel seen in these things that we don't talk about, like, how hard it is to wipe your ass when you're in, when you're fat and in an airplane bathroom that is like made for like a two inch wide person. Like it's just complicated. It's a space issue. It's not my fault, but it's hard. So let's talk about it. And I think that's really important. I think we have to put it out there and people can pick it up and run with it. They can put it down, say this is too much, but I want it to be there for people in case they needed someone 
to just walk with them, you know? Mm-hmm. And it is. I mean, it's like the, it's really visceral reading it because it's so it's so honest and raw. And I've heard such good feedback from other people who have read it, too. So, yeah, I mean, it's definitely hitting people. And uh, you did such an amazing job being so open. Like, I would imagine that would have been such an emotionally draining yet freeing experience uh the freeing comes later yeah (laughs) Yeah. it is it is not part of the writing process I don't know a person I ask this on book tours and I'm like has anybody written a book and then I'm like leave your hand up if you enjoyed writing that book and nobody (laughs) leaves their hands up like writing a book is fucking horrible and I'm just putting that out there for everyone who wants to write a book write your book just know it's hard for everyone. Yeah. Um, writing about something this personal obviously sent me into some like I was doing therapy sessions three times a week so that I could physically continue to live like yeah. it was that heavy. Wow. But what I realized afterwards is I did like 10 years of therapy work while I was writing this because I was taking the trauma and I was going seven layers deeper. And if I didn't write this book, I might be addressing these issues that I've come to terms with. When I'm 40, uh-huh. you know, and like, yeah. what a blessing that is. So the freedom comes later, but yeah. in the middle of it, you're like, why? Like, <laughs> I can't send the money back. I have to finish writing this. Why did I sign up for it? You know, it's I hard. That's pretty common. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's a la- like books are a labor of love. They're not like, yeah, they're not glamorous. <laughs> it's not a glamorous process by any means. <laughs> it really, it really is a gift. Um, And I, and I really... As someone who has written two now, I see other people's work and I just, I need to probably vocalize it to them more often, especially the people I know. Like it is a gift of love because you do not get paid a lot of money to write a book. It consumes your life and it's the hardest project. I mean, it's just Mm -hmm. translating those things onto pages. And so, yeah, it, it was a, it was a gift to myself and also, you know, that, dedication isn't to a particular person. It's a quote that I was having that just was said to me by Ijeoma Aluo. Um, as I was talking to her, I talked to a lot of people that I really respect about the chapters about being a bulletproof fatty, meaning we make up this person who's invincible and they don't really exist. And also like vulnerability and how, how do you manage vulnerability online when it's such a dangerous space? Right. And on this phone call with Ijeoma, she just like randomly says the most profound things on accident. Like it's, she's just so brilliant that yeah. it's just the way, the way she communicates. And she said, we have tried proving to the thin world that we are worthy for far too long. If you're going to be brave, be brave for the fat people. Yes. And that still gives me goosebumps just did. And was the driving force, I think behind the writing and the finishing and every time I felt like pulling back, like maybe people would make fun of me for this or judge me or hate me or X, Y, Z. And I was like, Nope, I'm going to lean in even harder because I'm not doing this for anyone else, but the fat folks that need to hear it. Yeah. And so I was really grateful for her. I just always am, but that Mm -hmm. quote really kept me going. Nice. Oh, that's so good. Have you tried Stitch Fix? If you are looking for stylish clothes that also fit you and your budget perfectly, then you are definitely going to want to check out Stitch Fix. 
Stitch Fix is an online personal styling service that finds and delivers clothes to fit your body, budget, and lifestyle. Here's how it works. You go to their website to sign up and you get paired with your very own personal stylist, an actual human who will take your preferences and fit information and handpick five items to send your way. The items are delivered right to your home. You try them on, pay only for what you love and return the rest. Shipping, exchanges, and returns are all free. There is no subscription required either, so there's no hidden fees. You can get your fix whenever you want or sign up to receive scheduled shipments. I've heard from so many people in my body positive circle who love their experience with Stitch Fix and the stylist they were paired with, especially because they carry a full range of sizes, including 0 to 24, up to 3X. Ready to up your style game? Get started with 25% off today when you keep all five items in your box. Go to stitchfix.com slash self-love to try Stitch Fix today. That's stitchfix.com slash self-love and you will save 25% off if you keep all five items in your box. Yeah, so let's talk about some of the stuff in your book. You know, you are you are pretty open about your relationship with food and exercise and you know how you're still working through these things because I think a lot of people would assume you have it figured out you know or or assume before you know kind of knowing more about this that you that you know that you have it all figured out whatever that means so you know what has that struggle been like for you and what has helped you now now that you've kind of gone through some of that process of healing your relationship with food that's a great question first there's a fundamental difference between understanding it logically and implementing it into your life. Yes. <laughs> They're completely different worlds. So I understand health at every size in a very deep and like in a sacred way. And I have taught it. I lecture around the country, around the world about it. And its concepts are brilliant and applicable and needed. Yet I had this resistance um, because of my history with scarcity because I grew up poor because um, I felt like there would never be enough because movement I've done like every sport and exercise in the world as punishment growing up so my my relationships my my relationship with food and movement is more than complicated and so to just I just thought oh, I'm going to learn about health at every size. I'm a smart person. And then it will just naturally happen. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it did not work that way at all. And we learned about health at every size. And then it took me five years to even remotely try and adopt any change into my life because I was so resistant to it. Since writing the book, things have changed for me because we're always evolving. And that's the beauty of, of being a human. And the things that have helped really helped me, um... I worked with a non-diet dietitian. Her name is Dana. She works at Be Nourish, which is in Portland. Yeah, I'll link to it. Yeah, I know Dana. Yeah. Great. So Dana was kind of my first, like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I know that I need someone who understands this to kind of walk me through it. And our first sessions, I felt like a five-year-old. You know, I was learning these, like, super simple concepts that you almost want to shame yourself for not getting yeah (laughs) I'm like I can't believe we're talking about this right now I'm 31 years old like I feel like a kindergartner learning like how to chew food but what's one of those concepts out of curiosity like if you were to can you remember the one that stuck with me the biggest and I still have it in a post-it on my above my desk and it's normal eating is really flexible yeah okay 
Yeah. And like normal eating, quote unquote, normal eating is completely flexible and it changes all the time. And that really gave me permission to kind of start asking myself questions as I was eating food. I have a background in mental health, so there's no stigma there. And I realized that not for everyone, but for me, food is definitely a coping mechanism. I think it's a great one because one, we need it to survive. Two, I'm not out like robbing banks for a high, you know, like I feel like eating food is like a great way for me to sedate myself or to, there's a anecdote in there about how crepes saved, literally saved my life one day. So taking Dana's suggestions and then just really questioning myself. And that was hard. Mm-hmm. I then went to a body image retreat that um, really, really opened my eyes to a lot of the, I love to know why things happen. Yeah. And once I know why they happen, I'm able to then kind of make more progress. So like learning the history behind why we hate our bodies was really important to me. Neuroscience and how we survive in you know, the millions of ways that we do is fascinating. The way we, our body processes nutrients and food, what restriction does, what eating a lot at one time does, all of those things. I just wanted the information. And so I got that information and then I was able to kind of implement it. And I'm still on a very messy road, but I just wrote an article for self about it. And I've tried every fucking diet. Except for like the really new ones that have happened in the last few years because I gave up dieting a long time ago. Thank God for that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But I, you know, I've tried since I was 13. I had been on a diet. So at least, God, you know, half my life when I figured out Mm -hmm. um, that maybe I didn't have to hate myself. But right now what that looks like for me is actually asking my body what it wants. Like having a conversation Connecting my mind and my body with my brain saying, body, what is it that you feel like you need right now? And then, um, and this is a privilege and a luxury, if I'm able to, having that thing. And then seeing what happens. And I, you know, like note the yeses and I note the noes. And I'm basically just collecting this huge database of what my body feels good with and what it doesn't feel excuse me, what it doesn't feel good with. And I know that that might change at any given time because our bodies change because our brains change. Um, And that's been a really interesting process because it is not the, you know, three quickest ways to lose weight. And it's not the three quickest ways to love your body. It's this very long, tenuous journey of trusting yourself enough to maybe try something that doesn't work and be like, okay, that didn't work. Like, neutral. And so that's kind of where I sit right now. And it's been really a really fascinating experiment. And I've learned a lot. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, you know, it's one of those things, like you said, it's like, there's no instant gratification with it. It's not like you do XYZ, and then, you know, you're healed. (laughs) It's like, you're talking about undoing so many years of programming and conditioning and having your mind separate from your body that it's like, it's such a long process. And I think that's why I really admired you talking about it and the whole, you know, the chapter on it, because it, it really was like, I think a lot of people are going to relate to that and feel less alone and feel like, okay, like I'm not 
defective because I haven't figured this out or because it's taking a, right. a while. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Because I think that there's, you know, there's pressure almost to like not diet properly, <laughs> you know, to eat like a normal person and, and guilt when when it's not maybe happening in a way that you think it should be. And, uh, Isn't that, yeah. and, you know, we really take the uniqueness out of that experience by even inferring that there is like a normal way to eat, because as Dana says, it's very flexible, which means it looks different for everyone. And so it's, it's, yeah, it's really hard. But I think the thing I, you know, when I wrote the chapter, I basically said, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. And that's okay. What I do know is that it's not my fault. I was given I was programmed to think this way. Like this was non-consensually given to me, this disconnection, this belief that I must starve in order to be okay. I'm choosing now that I have the energy to do healing work around that. And that's great, but that doesn't mean I have the answers for me. Um, it's going to take a long time. And so ultimately it's okay to not know what's next. I think it really is a one day at a time thing and it's okay to change your mind and it's okay to say no and it's okay to say yes and it's okay to say I said no but I meant yes and like it's all okay because we really are the only ones who will be able to have that internal dialogue between our mind and our brain and um, for me that's a connection worth repairing and it's it's a hard 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 road that we don't have a lot of guidance on but I, for me it's worth it yeah Absolutely. So good. So there you ha have a uh, chapter where you talk about doing the things you didn't think you could do. So things like wearing what you want, snorkeling, skydiving and stuff like that. And I think you're amazing. Like when I ask, so sometimes last clients, I'm like, who's your role model? Like, who do you want to, you know, who do you want to like emulate or whose energy do you want? And your name comes up a lot. People will say Jess Baker. So Aww. I know it's pretty awesome, right? So, you know, what helped, what helped you to do those things? Like what's your, you know, what's your advice to others to overcome, you know, the fear that gets in the way of, of doing these things that they just didn't think they could ever do? I think I have a very, I, it's hereditary. I have a, I'm a contrarian. So if somebody tells me I can't do something <laughs> at a certain point, I just decide that I'm going to do it because I said I can't do it. Yeah, I'm the same. So the, <laughs> <laughs> it gets me into trouble. I also have a lot of great experiences. I think for a lot of people though, where that comes from, and I think this is a perfectly acceptable place to start is just being fucking tired of hating yourself and missing out on shit. Mm -hmm. Like for me, I, you know, I think a couple years ago I started writing this blog post, like the impetus, like the catalyst to working towards healing your relationship with your body and your brain can be, I'm just tired yeah. of all of this hating bullshit and missing out. Like being tired of it is a totally valid reason to start. And I think a very powerful one. So I think, you know, a lot of people will hit a point, I hope, um, now that information is more readily available that, you know, I just learned that there's this, I don't know how to describe, like, I don't know what category she fits into, but she's not a small fat body. Uh, she's a larger fat body and she's a scuba instructor. And I always thought still until about a month and a half ago that scuba diving was not for fat people because we float real good, right? Like 
I can snorkel easily because I'm able to swim. Um, but I didn't think scuba diving was because it's just, I don't know. It was another lie I had been told and it's not true. And so kind of digging into the resources that are online. And so now I'm connected with all these people who are scuba instructors that are plus size and, you know, how to find, I'll, I'll be writing about this for sure, how to find, you know, inexpensive suits that fit you, what it's like to have to be weighed down because you have more fat, but it's still doable. And so yeah, if there's something you want to do and you've been told that you cannot, kind of question that and, and ask yourself, where did that belief come from? How badly do I really want to do it? And am I sick and tired of waiting? Because mm-hmm. often the answer is, you probably can. And there are, of course, things that are, you know, class and disability and race and size does affect our ability to access resources. But I think that there are also a lot of learned lies that we can unlearn. And so that's where those things came from. Um, Those were things that were accessible to me that I had just learned that I wasn't allowed to have. And so I challenged that and said, I'm going to try it. And some of them have been the most profound and liberating experiences for me in my life. So I'm really glad that I've tried it. Yeah. I love how you said, you know, the impetus to change can can often just be, you know, just being so tired of hating yourself. Because I think that's, that's where a lot of people, you know, a lot of my clients will come to see me and they're just like, I'm just so sick of hating myself or, or thinking about food all the time or, you know, all that stuff. And, uh, yeah, it can be a good, it can be a good motivator for change for sure. Yeah. Yeah. For me, I just thought I hated myself. I had to hate myself for the rest of my life and then had this like boom moment of like, maybe I don't, but you know, also can just grow tired of constantly looking in the mirror or existing and loathing yourself. Like that doesn't have to happen. Mm -hmm. And we, I want to be very clear that there are systemic oppressions in our society. And I live in the U S but they're everywhere Yeah, that we still live within around underneath. And those will are currently there. And I, for, I think they'll be there for a while. And those things we may not have as much control over, which is why the loving part is kind of a cruel ask because it kind of disregards the fact that, you know, for me as a fat person, I can love myself on the inside all I want, but I'll still go out and, you know, have someone shout something obscene at me or yeah. not get the, you know, health care I need or X, Y, Z. Like those things still impact our ability to live. So I, I don't want to downplay that. But I think there are so many things that we we are more in control of. And uh, it's a long, hard journey. But I just figured at a certain point, like, if I'm going to put so much obsession and time and energy into hating myself, like, I'm going to just, like, even if it doesn't work, <laughs> yes. I'm going to just, I'm going to just take that energy and money and time and try the other thing instead. Because even if it doesn't work, I feel like that's a better use of my energy. So yeah, it's like, what do you have to lose? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I can always go back to hating myself if I want to. You know, there's a whole system set up for that, but I want to try this other thing instead. Yeah. And um it's my days are not perfect. I also have several mental health diagnoses, and so that really does impact my capacity for 
sometimes rational thinking because depression loves to hang out with me and there's other things that I can't control, but there's a, been a huge shift in my life where I'm doing things and meeting people and having experiences that I would not have five years ago. And I'm infinitely grateful for all of the people, all of the decades of activists and ancestors who have done the work so that I can be in this place today. Amazing. Yeah, you talk about like you have a chapter called Bulletproof Fatty. And I think, you know, a lot of people probably perceive you as being bulletproof, even though you're really open about the fact that you're not. But yeah, I think I think that's can you can you just maybe talk about that a bit? Like, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think we all love the idea, especially within, you know, this was originally a concept that was coined by Leslie Kinzel, um, who's brilliant. And one of the people who had written a book when I first, you know, five, six years ago started. So she really was influential. But she just recently wrote about this concept of a bulletproof fatty. And in our Bopo world, it's this fat woman who wears leopard print and a cape and is like, you know, just like crushes through walls and the patriarchy rolls off her back and is untouchable. And we love that concept because we all secretly really want to believe that that exists because that feels like a place of peace and in like superhero abilities, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But social media has allowed us to like live in that fantasy land. But the reality is that those people don't exist. And I think that it's really important to remember that because not only does reinforcing the bulletproof fatty harm us in the fact that it takes the responsibility off of the system of oppressions and puts the responsibility on the bulletproof fatty to become impervious, which is not the job of the person, but also it creates again, this other standard of perfection, right? Like, Oh my God, I hate myself five days out of seven this week. I'm a failure. And like, no, you're human. It's real. And what you don't know about, and there I can think of only a handful of people, but there are a handful of people online who who really do live up that bulletproof fatty narrative. And I, I feel like it's harmful because we really need more vulnerability. And and also I talk about in that's how we connect. Um, that's how we feel seen. That's how we find footing so that we can grow. But I also think that I, yeah, I, I don't know where I was going with that. Yeah, you're, that's okay. You're going you're gonna to edit this, right? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I also keep realness in there too. So like. Okay, I totally lost my train of thought. There's people that do it. Oh, the other part. Yeah. Sorry, I kind of got sidetracked. Don't, don't. Uh, I, I, have, I have baby brain. I am the worst at that right now. So you're, you're good. You're good. Okay, the other side. So everything in Landvale is like so complicated and that's why it needs to be a book and it can't be a blog post and it can't be like a TED talk. Like it's, there's so much underneath each concept. But the other part of that that I find very fascinating is that we as uh, fat folks involved in this body image movement, we like to reinforce that bulletproof fatty thing as well, even though we know vulnerability is important because, and the way I see this happen for me and for other people is I will share something incredibly vulnerable online. The most like stereotypical thing is like taking a picture in a bikini, feeling shame over the picture because I'm human, 
I'm being like, fuck it. I'm posting it anyways. So I post it and I'm like, hate this picture, but fuck it. Fuck it all. And then everyone comes back and is like, oh my God, you're so powerful and real and like quoting all of these like strong and brave and like in the face of everything, you are so strong and but kind of like reinforcing this bulletproof fatty narrative on top of my very unbulletproof vulnerability. Ah, and yeah. so it's really interesting how we can handle vulnerability up to a certain point and it often gets twisted into being impervious. I want more. I want more and I want us to sit with the vulnerability that's really uncomfortable that maybe hits home a little too hard that is beyond the scope of like polite internet conversation. Like that's where I want the vulnerability to go because when we go there, I think we will start seeing less and less of this need for the bulletproof fatty because we'll be connecting on a deeper level that makes us feel like we have community that we're heard that we're seen and that we're not alone. So that's my spiel on the bulletproof fatty. Yeah. Wow. No, it's so good. Well, we're running out of time here. So this is, I mean, I could go on and on, on with you for those listening, definitely get a copy of, of Landwell to hear more, to know more, to really get the inside scoop and the vulnerability and everything else. It's so good. Uh, where can people find you, Jess? I just want to point out, I did read the audiobook, which is painful for the people recording because it took forever. Oh, it's that's read... the hardest thing. <laughs> audiobooks are hard, but the audiobook, I always see a lot of recommendations for people to get audiobooks and just like heads up, I cry in my audiobooks. So if you want like the real power, I might recommend that version. Oh, thank you for doing that. I love, I love self-narrated audiobooks. They're my favorite because it just like brings the book alive. So I didn't, that's awesome. I'm so glad you mentioned that. Yes. Yeah. I sat in a hot sweaty box for 26 hours. So buy an audiobook. (laughs) I I cried a bunch. I think it took me 26 hours to do my book, which is like 80 pages. So I really, I really admire that. That's, I found it to be the hardest thing I've ever done. I'm like, did I just like forget how to read? I just don't know how to read oh, anymore. Yeah. No, <laughs> read aloud. It was all these nightmares. Just so people kid. don't freak out. The audiobook <laughs> itself is only six hours. Like you're not buying a 26 hour <laughs> audiobook. It's only six hours, but I do cry in it. You can find me on the militantbaker.com and I highly recommend going there because not only does it have like six years of content. Um, I just feel like there's a lot of resources people don't know about. It also has links to all of my social media. If you want my, go to my Facebook, it's all at the top. If you want my Facebook, there's great articles that I post. If you want Instagram, I go on Instagram rants all the time about fat and health and mental health. Lots of resources there and great pictures. I have a Twitter, which is great. I also have a resource tab and it has over 340 links to books, blogs, uh, pages to follow, podcasts to listen to, mental health resources if you're looking for a therapist or you need a hotline or, you know, X, Y, Z. Like they're all there. So go to the Milton Baker, check out the resources, check out my social media and you can find me at all of the places. Your resources are amazing. I always link to the like the p- people on Instagram to follow. I always send that to people and the body positive book books for kids too. That those are two that like I can recall right off the top of my head that are like in yeah. my bookmarks that I send to people all the time. So, but I wish I, I need to update because <laughs> we are getting more and more books like so daily. Many. It's great. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I I'm super curious now because I'm 
about to have a baby soon. So, um, that's, that's important to me, but yeah, I know it's, it's all your research. You put a lot of effort into them and it, it's, it, they're, it's really good. So thank, thank you for doing that. Cause it's free labor. Yeah. And, uh, you, oh, you bet. Well, it's important. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to be here. I know you're busy. I really, really, really appreciate it. This is awesome. And I know people are going to love it. Oh, thank you so much, Summer. I, I wish you the best and thank you for having me. Thanks. Rock on. I feel so grateful that I get to have conversations with people like Jess. It's just such a cool part of my job and I love it so much. As you heard here, you know, Lanwell is awesome. So definitely check it out. If you want a link to buy that book, you can find that in the show notes for this episode at summerinandin.com forward slash 133. Definitely get it. Add it to your bookshelf. It's another great body positive book to read. And I will talk to you next time. Thank you for listening today. Rock on. I'm Summer Inanin, and I want to thank you for listening today. You can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Summer Inanin. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this show. I would be so grateful. Until next time, rock on. Rock on.